Today we're joined by Boat Bomber, the developer of the Roblox education game Lua Learning. Together we discuss their Roblox career and advice for new developers who are starting out in scripting and game development. My name's Alvin Blocks and I'm your guest host for this episode. So let's go beyond the blocks. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Blocks, the podcast all about the Roblox platform and game development. I'm Alvin Blocks and I'll be standing in for Bantech today. And on this episode, we're joined by Boat Bomber, who you may know from the Roblox education game Lua Learning. Boat Bomber is also an active member of the Roblox Dev Forum, who provides resources, guides and advice to help get new developers into scripting and development. So welcome and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. All right. So... Let's just talk a bit about your Roblox career and where you've got so far. So what got you into Roblox in the first place? I imagine that you started out as as a player like most uh, developers. Yeah, back in middle school, my friend told me in class about this cool game site he wanted me to try out. So I did and we had a wonderful time together. So after school each night, we'd go home and we'd call each other on our house landline phones and play blimp wars together. He would fly the blimp and I would toss bombs off the side of it onto the boats below, which is how I chose my username when I decided to finally make an account in late 2012. So you were playing as a guest, were you? Yeah, I was playing as a guest for the first few months before I convinced my mom to let me make an account. Um, Then I took a break for a few years as I did other things. And then I decided to come back in, I think, 2015 to start developing because we had wanted to do like 1v1 battles rather than play a multiplayer game together, just the two of us. So I'd been using free models to create fun arenas for us to compete in. That like thrill of creating worlds and experience really stuck with me. So I I came back to continue at a higher level than I had when I was 12. So what year was it that you um, that you joined Roblox? I started playing as a guest in 2011, made an account in 2012, and started getting more seriously into development in 2015. Between those years, those three or four years between 2011 and 2015, you were, you were just playing Roblox, and that's, that's what a lot of developers now, that's how they've actually got into Roblox, you know, they were a player at first, and They've, they've not got into development because they've wanted to create, say, a successful game. It's because they've discovered Roblox. They've been playing Roblox for, for a while and it's been it's been a fun hobby, you know, playing playing these fun games, maybe, you know, dabbled in and out of Roblox Studio just to create these cool worlds that you can play with your friends. But I guess from 2015 on, that's when you started to really get more into Roblox development. So... I mean, now you're known as being a, a scripter, but why did you choose to become a scripter instead of, of being a, a builder as your, as your main speciality? Well, I actually started out in building. I was a oh, really? weapons modeler for Bitfighter Studios for a while. Um, at the same time, I was learning Lua in order to give my games more depth and gameplay, allowing me to have more control over it instead of just editing free models. 
when I first started development, I didn't instantly start with opening a base plate and creating a massive game. I started out by editing the template games that come with Roblox Studio. The Line Runner game was one of the first things that I ever felt that I could call a game of my own because I edited it severely and made a lot of gameplay changes, added sliding, sorts of coins and uh, boosts. Um, it was absolutely terrible. Um, I look back at it now and kind of cringe, but it definitely was a start and it got me to where I am now. I think everybody thinks that with like the, the, the first projects that they make that, you know, that they're really bad. But I mean, I've said this a lot to upcoming developers and it's a quote that I like to, um, to, to tell people is that, you know, you, your first game might be terrible, but you can't make your 50th game without making your first. It's all about making a start. Right. And I, I remember the, the line runner template. I think it's still there actually, um, in studio. It's like a 2d running thing, isn't it? Yeah. An infinitely generated runner. Like a super Mario. Yeah. Um, another thing to keep in mind, if you look back at your first games and think that they were bad, that's a sign that you've improved. So in a way, it's a good thing to dislike your old work. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the the first things you make, you shouldn't really get too invested in them. I see people all the time that, you know, start out on on Roblox. They haven't really got into Roblox Studio yet, but they want to make this great big project. You know, they want to make the next jailbreak or they want to make a, an FPS game from scratch. And they suddenly jump in and they realize that there are so many things that they need to learn about and that they hadn't thought about and they realize that it's all so much work and it's too hard and then it just demotivates them so you do have to start small and i think the the templates that you mentioned uh, are a good way to start as well and i guess maybe that is what maybe inspired you to or motivated you even to create the educational resources that you have today in lua learning which we'll talk about um in in a little while yeah absolutely So let's talk about some of your notable creations because uh, you're known for publishing quite a quite a few resources, um, open sourced resources to the development community, which is awesome. Any listeners can find them by heading onto the dev forum uh, and searching up your your profile, Boat Bomber. But why don't you just give us uh, a little introduction into some of the things that you have um, created on there that are available? Sure. So. I love open sourcing my work because not only does it help other people, I believe it helps me because I get feedback on my code and how to improve it. And so everybody benefits when you open source. Um, one of my favorite modules is something called Smooth Scroll. On Roblox, scrolling frames, um, they jump around. They just kind of teleport to the next position when you use the mouse wheel. And for games like Lua Learning, where there's a lot of reading, every time you scroll, the words teleport and you lose your place, and that gets very annoying. So I looked around for resources on how to fix this, and there's nothing built into Roblox yet. If you're listening in the future, hopefully they've already implemented smooth scrolling. So I wrote a module that is very simple to use, 
you call the enable function with the scrolling frame that you want to make smooth and it handles all of the rest. When you're designing your GUIs, you get to use default scrolling frames, nothing special, and the module disables scrolling on it and then using user input service and context action service recreates the controls of scrolling frames but smoothed and with friction, elasticity, and a bunch of other settings that are very easy to manipulate in the module. Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, scrolling frames, I guess if you're a developer, you know that they, they do get quite a lot of criticism and they aren't the best and can totally get why, you know, you were driven to create something like this with your, your Lua learning project. Obviously, if there is a lot of text and if you have a lot of text in a scrolling frame, you, if you if you look at, you know, things like Discord, it's very nice when you scroll through, but I can definitely see where you're coming from. You also have some uh, other nice little open source projects. Yeah. Uh, one that I actually used myself um, not too long ago uh, using the, the viewport frames. You've created a, a viewport module and that can be used for all sorts of things. I was using it for a security uh, camera system. Yeah, so the viewport frame handler was a module that came from other open source work that I'd done previously. Someone else had open sourced a camera module and I felt that it could be improved upon. So I made a second version of his and then a third. And then I decided with that experience and knowledge that I've now gained from his work, I'm going to create my own and because we had the previous modules experience beforehand, we knew what we could have done differently to make it better. So when I was creating my own, I worked to make sure that it solved the problems that the first one had. And then I used that to create a bunch of other modules and branches off of that, like a uh, highlighter module, uh, bounce-constrained highlighters, um, the first dual render scope in Roblox that got featured on the Roblox blog and Twitter. And all of these are great examples of how I benefit and you benefit because other people get to use this code. But while I shared it, documented it and explained it, people pointed out ways for me to improve upon it and update it. And I learned and the module got better. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, and I think it's great how you were constantly iterating on, on what you'd, you'd made to make it better as well, not only for yourself, but for the community. And it's, yeah, you're right, it's a win-win. You you are helping out uh, other developers that might need or have a use for a system or, you know, or a module like the, the viewport or the other modules that you've created, but you're also getting recognition for, for your creation as well, and, and rightly so. I always keep iterating on these modules unless I explicitly say I'm no longer supporting it. You're welcome to send me a message asking for support on it or if something needs to be changed or updated. For example, um, back when the glass material was first released, I figured it would be a cool thing if you made balls of glass on a pier right in front of the camera so it looks like it's on the screen and make it in droplet formations so that it looks like there's water on the screen distorting it. And a lot of people liked it and used it. It was a very fun project for me. And that was quite a while ago. 
class is not exactly new anymore. But about a year later, someone brought it back up to my attention, um, asking a few questions on it. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to remake the entire thing. And so I did just that, and I made it much better. I used special mesh objects to allow the balls themselves to distort and drip down the screen. I used far better techniques that I had learned over the past year. And again, I open sourced it. People gave feedback on how it could be improved, and I did so. And the final product gets used in some rather large games, and it looks really nice. You know, also for, for those listening to the podcast as well, it's always a good thing to iterate over past work, whether it be a script that you've created for your game, for a system or something, or even over the game as a whole. If you've, you know, created your game, launched it, and maybe it's not the most optimized or you could have done something better, then if there's, you know, if you see the potential for it, then definitely go ahead and iterate over your past work. And it's it's also a good way for you to learn more maybe if you have a, an unoptimized script then you can learn some you know new techniques or whatever to 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 make it uh, faster and also uh, more efficient and then you can take that and use it in in future projects let's move on to your probably the creation that you're most known for uh, which is lua learning so it's a it's a Roblox game, which can which can teach users to program their own Roblox games uh, in Lua. Which I think it's one of the I think it's it's very unique. It's one of a kind in that there's not really many other games on Roblox that are doing this. So if you'd like to give a introduction to our listeners about Lua Learning uh, and just what what it's all about. Sure. So Lua Learning is a community-driven platform that interactively teaches the user how to program in Lua. It is completely free to use, and it is driven by community content. I create lessons, but there's also an entire section of the game dedicated to user-created tutorials where people like you can just write tutorials in the game, submit them, and if they're up to par, then they'll be accepted and put into the official game. It's awesome how you've got that community element to it. So it's not just you that's publishing the tutorials, but you, you're allowing the community to share their knowledge as well. So Lua Learning, um, the game itself has over 1.2 million visits at the time of recording. And it's also regularly featured on the top rated sort on the front page. Um, with a like percentage of 92%, which is awesome. It just shows how helpful this has been to the Roblox creative community. So why did you decide to help others with Roblox development by creating these projects? What, what drove you to make Lua Learning? Well, there were a few things. First of all, when I was starting to learn, I had to do it by dissecting free models and building off templates, as we mentioned earlier. But I wanted there to be a cohesive and complete resource for people to start. And for the past few years, I've been working to create that. Um, but re what really pushed me over the edge to start creating it, because it was an idea I had in the back of my mind, but it's one of those side projects that's like a little too large for you to ever put the full effort into. 
but um, I saw a few games going around called like developer schools or stuff like that that were paid access and didn't teach you anything. Most of them were complete scams. Some of them were just low quality, but they were profiting off of people's dreams and aspirations and that really bothered me. But because they technically did not break any rules, I couldn't report them or get them taken down. So in a free market, the best way to get rid of them is to beat them with competition. If I create a game that is completely free and is better than their service, no one will go pay for their lower quality service when they can come to mine. So that will either force them out of business or it'll force them to improve to be better than mine, which I'm totally okay with. If they want to give a great service, that's that's wonderful. Um, so far, I think it's working because um, ever since Lua Learning reached the front page for the first time, I have not seen another one of those developer schools. Yeah, I remember those games. They they'd always used to pop up and be sponsored on the like they'd have sponsored ads pop up, and you'd always see people in there. And then you know, I I checked a couple of them out, and they would just be a total scam. They would have like links to the Roblox wiki or things like that, and it wasn't a true developer school. And I'll be honest, I haven't seen many of them for a while now. And I think what you're doing with Lua Learning is a is a is a great job. I mean, you're you're doing it free as well, completely free. Um, you can anybody can go in there and start learning. And what what makes it different from from the these other games, these developer school games, is that it's actually got its like own code execution where players can input their own code. There are loads of really rich features in in the in the game, such as that in-game IDE and, and sandboxed code execution, which makes it similar to platforms such as Code Academy, for instance. As I worked on this, it gained more features over time. Right. When you start a project, you never want to aim too big or it's very easy to get demotivated or feel like it's too large to for you to handle. So it started much smaller than it is now. It's been years in the making, so it's expanded quite a lot. But in the beginning, my first goal was to just get a simple IDE running. An IDE um, is basically a text editor for code with a few extra features built in specifically about programming. So first I worked with CrazyMan32, many of you may have heard of him, um, to create a Lexer in Roblox Lua. And again, I open sourced that and I've continued iterating over it for the past few years. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, it's great. And what that does is it takes a string of text that's your code and it breaks it down into tokens of the various keywords, built-ins, operators, and such, so that I can highlight your code so that it doesn't just look like white or black text. It has those nice colors that you would get in a nice IDE. And I worked on autofill so that once you start typing, let's say, LO, you can hit enter to make it, say, local so that it speeds your workflow. Um, there's automatic end block completion, uh, automatic indentation, comment completion, uh, live error highlighting. So while you type, if there's a typo or uh, some sort of error that would fail, it highlights that in red for you. So, and if you hover over it, it tells you exactly what the error is so that you know how to fix that. 
and the code is sandboxed so that you don't have to worry about breaking anything. You can run an infinite loop in there and not worry about crashing your computer. If you did that in Roblox Studio, your computer, well, Roblox Studio would freeze and crash because you're running too many executions. But I was very careful to do my best to prevent that from happening in game. So you are welcome to go ahead and try whatever you want without fearing that you can screw up. I think that's brilliant because, yeah, everybody has done the, the while true do loop, which crashes their computer, but also making it as close as possible to actual coding, you know, with the highlighting in the colors, it just makes it feel like it's, 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 it acts actual coding, which it is. I mean, it is Lua coding and you are, you know, running the code and giving what I think is great is if, if someone has typed in the wrong code, then you can actually give uh, pointers and, and guidance and try and find out what the problem is. And if you think about someone that's just starting out in studio, they um, they write some code, they see it and they, they get it wrong, they, they see an error message. It can be quite confusing, right? So what I like about your Lua learning is that because it's a sandboxed code editor where players can, if they get something wrong and an error pops up, you're more likely to find out what the error is because it's if it's analyzing your code and seeing where you've gone wrong and, and pointing advice, which is really, really cool. It does exactly that. It, um, it analyzes and tracks your code. Ex everything that it does is logged so that the lessons can be interactive. A lesson can say, um, write an if statement and it parses your code into an abstract syntax tree so that it can tell, did you write an if statement? So that instead of just telling you to do things and leaving you to, you just flail in the water on your own, it guides you and can give lessons that you have to accomplish something to move to the next lesson and it offers encouragement and advice and explains why you may have in not completed that particular lesson when it gives you the error message so that the learning experience isn't just um, reading or listening but actually doing and I've personally feel that that helps me remember and understand the knowledge that I'm gaining. Brilliant. So you've also got the community generated content, which we spoke about a little bit earlier. That allows uh, users to submit their own tutorials, right? To teach to other, other users. Yeah. So I wanted Lua Learning to have a wide range of content, but I realized it would be too much for one person to write. So I began working on a system to allow users to write and submit tutorials similar to the dev forum. Using my experience from the IDE, I wrote a markdown text editor to allow users to write tutorials in a simple and familiar format that would allow them to have bold, italics, cold blocks, um, quotes, and more. Users would then submit the tutorials and I would manually moderate them. As Lua Learning got more popular, it was overwhelming me, so I redesigned the system to support a team of moderators, and I brought on a few wonderful and knowledgeable developers to help me sift through the hundreds of submissions. Because of this system, Lua Learning has tons of helpful tutorials on many subjects. To curate this vast amount of content, I let the community do that as well. I wrote a review system in which users can leave one to five stars along with a brief write-up. Users can upvote and downvote these reviews, so you get to see the best reviews on top when you're reading the reviews of a tutorial. Tutorials can be bookmarked, 
sorted by difficulty, ratings, and more. I wrote a custom search engine to help you find tutorials you want, even if you're not exactly sure what you're searching for. It's got some algorithms that took me a while to write that will find things that are close to what you're typing that allow you to find the results that you need, even if you're not sure exactly what that is. So then what are the plans that you've got for the future of Lua Learnings or any features that you are planning to add in the future? Or what are your plans with it? So I've been writing a better curriculum for the lessons, more complete. Um, and I've also been working on a sandbox mode to let users try out their new skills in game. It'll be like a simplified version of Roblox Studio that runs in game and helps you with your code. Um, also working on making the moderation system more streamlined so that pending times are shorter and designing it in a way that will allow the game to live on even after I'm gone so that when I inevitably move on to the next stage of my development career, I can leave Lua Learning without it getting stuck. So it will continue to grow even without me there to do all the growing for it. I think that's you know, really cool. I mean, you've obviously got the community generated content right now, which allows for people to submit their own tutorials. And it kind of takes um, quite a, a heavy load of the work away from you to focus on other things. But you're right. I mean, we there's a load of Roblox games, which the creator of the game has left, or maybe the game was published a couple of years ago. Um, you know, for example, uh, if you remember the old uh, neighborhood of Robloxia games, One Dev 2, the developer, I think, just left Roblox, but they left their game open for people to, I think it was uncopylocked, so that people could, you know, add to it and change it, whatever. But you're right, eventually you aren't going to be working on this all the time, and to have the community able to submit their own um, tutorials, but also in the future to be able to maintain it is, is great planning ahead. And also thinking about the next generation of developers who you will be ushering in and, and helping as well through uh, through the content so really looking forward to that and uh, really great work on on Leo learning and all the best for it in the future now what we're going to do is just talk about some of the other things that you've worked on on roblox uh, one of which is a plugin which has an interesting story behind it um, and is kind of like a gray area in the in the terms of service. Right. So anybody who's used Team Create in Roblox Studio knows that the built-in chat is filtered to the point that you can't use it. It's everything gets turned into hashtags, and you just can't have a conversation with your fellow developer. Mm. So I read the terms of service very carefully before proceeding. And all of the rules about text filtering only mentions in-game text, nothing about studio only. If there's text in the game that gets published, then that ends up in game and that would need to be moderated. However, in a plugin, there was no rules. So people who aren't quite familiar with obviously the, the team create way things work, I, what from what I gather you are you are trying to create a plugin to 
kind of like uh, improve the communication and, and chat in in team create for for developers is that what the idea behind this was yeah that that's the goal so the apis for text filtering only work in game as well they don't even run in studio because they have to send the data to their community sift service if it runs in studio you'd be able to steal roblox's private keys so when you use the filter APIs that Roblox provides, even if you use the strictest filter, it still provides the plain text. Nothing gets filtered in Studio, which means that even if I follow all the rules and filter it a million times over, it won't actually filter because it's only running on your computer. So I created a plugin that, using some interesting networking tricks, creates a chat between all the developers in the studio and I run it through their strictest text filter API, but it does absolutely nothing and displays unfiltered text anyway. Then I run it through my own simple chat filter just to take care of some of the major no-no words. And then um, I published it and I was a little worried that it would get me in a lot of trouble because Although there isn't any technical rules that are being broken, I'm still clearly doing something that's not intended or approved as I'm creating an unfiltered chat between developers. Um, but because their text filter APIs don't work in studio, there's no real way for them to get me in trouble because they don't provide a way for me to filter it even if they wanted me to. And to cover myself a little further, I called it collaborative notes. It's not a chat, it's notes that you can both see. Wink. So this way, um, I could say that if anybody uses it as a chat, they are misusing my plugin for which I'm not responsible. And so how are the messages transmitted from one player to another are they sent over the internet or is it actually just that they're stored in the roblox place so that the other developers have access to to read them so because there's no remote events or anything like that in a team create there's the chat service and i just place folders inside of that that contain message data encoded in various value objects and then all of the developers in the studio read it, mark it into their chats and display it in the plugin window. Um, and then it gets removed from the chat service as not to clog it with unnecessary instances and waste memory. It also saves into a file on your computer so that when you rejoin the game, the chat is saved. And also if you chat and then someone else joins, you replicate your messages to them so that they will have the messages that were sent even while they were not in the studio. It's an interesting um, concept and the plugin as well. So this is available, right, for developers to use right now. It's a, it's a live plugin. Yes, it's available on the marketplace and it's also stored on GitHub if you want to locally install the files. That's there in case Roblox decides that it is against the rules and removes it so that you can still have it anyway. Interesting. 
So far, I've not gotten in trouble. What advice would you give to a new developer starting out who'd like to get better at scripting or just game development in general from what you've learned over your career? So I'm sure many people have said this before, but that's because it's true. You have to start small. Just this morning, someone came over to me and said, hey, I'm trying to start scripting and I want to make a first person shooter. Where do I start? And they end up giving up because they set their expectations a bit too high. Um, personally, I think a great place to start is an obby with progress saving, because you'll learn about functions, events, data stores, movement, and you stick to a simple concept that's still easy to expand upon and turn into a larger game. For sure, yeah, I'm definitely um, going to champion what you said there about starting small. It's, you know, I get it a lot as well, I'm sure. Um, as you said, you do as well, that people, they immediately want to start off with a huge project, which, you know, um, they might have played a successful game and they want to make the next jailbreak or the next Phantom Forces. And so they immediately head into studio with hardly any knowledge at all. And they want to create these huge projects. And they suddenly they realize that there's so many things that they don't know how to do. And it's so hard and complicated and it can be very demotivating. And so what you have to what you have to do is you just have to think right the next couple of weeks or months are just going to be a total write off i'm not going to create anything that i'm intending to publish or that's intending to be a hit you just need to start small and use the time that you've got just to make small projects build off of them ask for help um just try and immerse yourself as much as you can in the in development to learn as much as you can because you need that experience that you will learn in order to tackle problems when you uh, launch a game or, or finish a project. If you, for example, launch a game and you suddenly have uh, loads of bugs or data store problems, you need to learn how to fix, you need to have the problem solving skills to know how to fix that. And so I'm sure you've had it as well with Lua Learning where uh, you, you've encountered a problem maybe with like the, the saving or, or something along those lines where you needed to have the experience which you have gathered from previous projects to investigate and fix a problem. Yeah, absolutely. When dealing with so much data storage as Lua Learning, because just the sheer volume of it, uh, I encountered a lot of problems. Some of them Roblox limitations, some of them my own screw-ups. But when you have enough experience from other projects, you have this mindset and process that you've already developed for how to break down and solve the problem. Yeah, definitely. So the key points are just to start small, um, you know, keep it simple and don't go too far in at once. Don't just jump straight into the into the deep end. Um, so obviously the Roblox platform has changed quite a lot, um, especially since you joined and started playing in 2011. Although from a development point of view, um, what is your favorite tech feature on the platform? Uh, right now maybe it could be a, a new feature that has just been added or just something that makes the development workflow much easier or a nice feature I, I don't know um, one of my favorite uh, tech features are viewport frames uh, I don't know if that's the same with you but um, let's let's discuss what your favorite uh, technical feature is 
I do love viewport frames and I've made a lot of projects that involve it, but I think my favorite feature is simply data stores. Roblox doesn't impose a limit to how many you could use, which allows things like Lua Learning to exist. Lua Learning stores ridiculous amounts of data because every player has their own data, their drafts, their submissions, their reputation, their stats, all that stuff. And then there's all the tutorials and lessons and quizzes and there's just so much of it. And if Roblox imposed a limit to how much you could store, I don't think Lua Learning would be able to exist. And although data stores might seem complicated at first, they're really simple once you get to know them. And there's a lot of really helpful resources on them that help you get past that steep learning curve at the start. So if I had to pick one feature that I really love, I would say it's the power that data stores give developers. I mean, I would agree with you there as well. Data stores, they are they're definitely an integral part of, of all Roblox games. I think a lot of people take them for granted and don't understand how powerful they really are and how much they allow you to, how much saving and, and how it's pretty much limitless, really, the amount of um, the amount of which you can use them. And we have to remember is that Roblox is offering this for free. It doesn't cost anything to run data stores. And to have this data store service at such scale across all the Roblox games is it's incredible how much data you can you can save within your game. So definitely a uh, a great shout there as well. Yeah, it's it's hard to have a game without data stores. So it's uh it's definitely a selling point that keeps me developing on Roblox and not moving somewhere else. Definitely, I think there's a lot to be said about the things that Roblox provides on the platform, which you don't have to think about. You know, game hosting, um, customer service. Uh, Roblox, uh, well, does provide customer service for like uh, Robux transactions and things like that. Um, and also, you, you're opening yourself up to a huge user base of players, which are uh, waiting to play your game if you advertise it in the right way. So Roblox, I think, really is uh, a great choice and it's one to be offered with all the other platforms out there, such as the Unreal Engine or Unity. I think it's definitely a fair competition to those platforms and I don't think many people see it like that. Okay, so now we're going to move on to a couple more personal questions to do with your Roblox career. So... What has been your proudest moment or your highlight of your Roblox development career so far? Definitely when I woke up and found Lua Learning on the front page. That was an incredible feeling. I had been on a trip, so I didn't have my computer with me. And it was a little nerve-wracking because if anybody found any bugs, I wouldn't be home for like a week. So... Anything that broke would stay broken until I was around to fix it. But luckily, nothing major broke, and it got hundreds of thousands of visits overnight, reached top-rated, and has been growing ever since. So how popular was Lua Learning before you'd gone on that trip? You know, what was it like being on the top-rated store? What, what did it do to Lua Learning? So before it reached front page, there were maybe a few thousand players and a very, very small community. Within that community, there were some very dedicated players, but once it reached front page, it brought in 
hundreds of thousands of new players and those players would tell their friends and them their friends and it brought in so much more content because there was that there's that user generated aspect and the fact that it's mainly community driven bringing in those players made the game better and by making it better it brought in more players and it puts it into this loop of just constantly growing and getting better so i think reaching the front page was probably the biggest milestone in its career yeah and it's great how you've managed to do all of this whilst keeping it free and open to everyone and you're right i mean when somebody plays Lua Learning, well, I say play, that's just, you know, it's it's more of a, like, if, it, if when somebody checks out and uses Lua Learning and has a positive experience with it, they will tell their friends and then it will just keep snowballing. And, and it's a great way because you're getting more people into Roblox development. Some people who might not even have ever heard of Roblox Studio or even tried or even known that you can develop your, your own games on Roblox. And that success just breeds more success and so it's just it's great how you've managed to create such a platform for these users to potentially become the next generation of roblox developers so well done i think what's also good about lua learning is that it's totally on the platform so you think of other resources to learn scripting you can go to forums online you have youtube videos um, and places such as you know dev forum uh, and written guides, they're all off-site, but Lua Learning is totally uh, kept on the platform. It's, it's a game on Roblox, so if you're thinking about maybe younger younger audiences that might not have access or know how to, uh, or, or may not even have the thought of going online to, to find out how to create their own Roblox games, I think Lua Learning is brilliant how it's bringing more and more developers, especially those who are younger, into uh, into Roblox development, into Roblox Studio. Yeah, I've had parents thank me because they don't want their young child going on YouTube. And by bringing the resources onto the platform itself, it really opens doors for a lot of people who may not have had that opportunity before. What I also like is it's interactive as well. You know, if you're watching a video or a written guide, yeah, you can try it in your own in your own Roblox Studio program, but Lua Learning gives you a place where you can experiment and interact with the code. And if you get something wrong, or if you you know, or whatever, it will give you tips and it will guide you throughout your way, just like Code Academy or other online coding uh, sites. Because I use that quite a lot, and and it is quite similar as well the way the way it works. Absolutely, I took a lot of inspiration from Code Academy. They did a wonderful job, and it works. So you know. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. And I also love how the community is able to share their knowledge because, you know, sharing knowledge and teaching others is also a great way to learn yourself. So the way that you're allowing users to do that is fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for coming on Boat Bomber and all the best and uh, wishing you good luck with uh, the rest of your development career and Lua Learning. If you'd like to check out the Lua Learning place, you can do so by searching it up on Roblox. There'll also be a link in the podcast description or in the YouTube description. Thank you again, though, for coming on, and do join us again for another episode of Beyond the Blocks. 
If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe or follow the podcast to make sure you don't miss any of our future instalments. And why not leave us a voice message? Bantech will listen to it in a future episode and answer any questions. Use the Anchor app or find instructions to submit a clip manually on the Bantech Systems website. Thank you to our special guest, Boat Bomber, for joining us today. You can find them on Roblox for links to their social profiles. Be sure to fill out the guest application if you'd like to feature on a future episode. You can find it at bantech.systems slash btb guest. Link will be in the description of the podcast. And Beyond the Blocks is brought to you by Bantech Systems, a development studio creating interactive games, systems and solutions on Roblox. Find Bantech's profile on Roblox and click through to the Bantech Systems group for more information. Don't forget you can listen to any episode of Beyond the Blocks on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and many other popular listening platforms. You'll also find it on the Bantech Systems YouTube channel. Thank you for listening and don't forget to tune in to the next episode of Beyond the Blocks.